going to be reading to you from the Gospel of Luke, starting in chapter 2 at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. All right. Merry Christmas. Woo! I love, you know, this is one of my favorite... Um, times to preach and here's why like there I always get to meet people's friends and family and you guys some of you are smiling but sometimes I get to see this he is not going to convert me tonight he's just not okay I can see it it's actually one of my favorite things to see but um I just want to let you know uh that if you're not a Christian and maybe you're a part of a family I I just want you to invest I want you just to like I know it's hard you know uh we don't know each other. So you're like, why should I listen to this guy? I just want to let you know, I'm really glad you're here. And I just want to encourage you. If that's you, you kind of come in the skeptic like posture. Just, just consider these things. Just, you know, investigate them. Just listen. And then I would love to talk to you after. But I'm really glad you're here. I, um, all I want to do tonight is, is pull out three simple truths that the angel said to the shepherds that night. Uh, and they're really simple. But if, if we don't get, if, if you miss one of them, you miss Christmas. You miss Christianity. None of it works. Uh, and so here's what the angel says. This is what I'll guide our time. Basically, the angel says, number one, you're going to find a real 
baby in a manger. That's what, that's what the angel says. You're gonna find a baby. Second, this baby uh, is gonna be your savior. This baby's gonna save the world. And then third, uh, when this savior comes into your life, it will bring you deep joy. Okay, so that's all we're gonna look at. We're gonna look at three things, a real baby in a manger, this baby's your savior, and, and he will be your deepest joy, okay? So that's where we're going. I wanna pray for us because I need God's help and the police are here. So uh, let's pray. Jesus, I just, I wanna thank you so much for this Christmas Eve service. I just, I know God that you have real uh, work and power that you wanna do in this gathering. And I just, I pray you give us ears to hear, help me teach with your spirit. So I just invite you, Holy Spirit, and I, I pray we would sense you. I pray we would feel your affections for us tonight. And I just, I thank you for the many great friends and family. I thank you for the parties tomorrow. I just, I wanna pray in Jesus' name for blessing, for protection, for some maybe who are still traveling, would you keep them safe? And I just, I pray for this, this, you know, this next 30 minutes, would you just minister powerfully in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm gonna read one more time just so you can see where I'm going. So the angel says, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So here's the first, all I wanna point out in this first point is what he says is you'll find a baby um, without this Christmas reality, like I said earlier, everything falls apart. Like there is no Christianity, there, there's no joy to any world. If there's not a real baby with a real body uh, that really did come, okay? So just to frame this whole idea another way, the angels don't show up and they don't, they don't herald, you know, uh, here's a new philosophical way to live. Uh, this is the best way to be your true authentic self or here's new insights about God. And if you obey and if you do these things, you'll have blessing. No, they come up and they say, there's not just spiritual things you can do. They're saying, there is something happening. There's gonna be a human being born that if you have this human being into your life, he's gonna change everything. So they said, go look at this human body, okay? It's gonna have, you know, it's gonna have a little cute nose. It's gonna have little like cute feet and little hands, right? It might even be cuter than like little baby Yoda, but that's hard to know because he's really cute. Um, but let me just say, how many of you, you love watching babies, like we love, we do. We, we love watching, especially if you're like in an awkward conversation and someone happens to have a baby, you're just like, I'm gonna stare at this baby so it's not weird. I don't know what he's gonna say next. That's a cute baby. Um, but we do, we love babies, right? We love, we love when they do like just weird things. Like you, you'll be like, oh my, did you see that her, hit her upper lip? It went up. Do you, do you think that she likes my dress? What? She might, I don't know. Why do you think, anyways. Okay, so here's my point. The shepherds, they would have, they would have, they would have got up from this miraculous encounter with angels and they, they would have went over to this manger somehow and they would have saw, guess what they saw? They saw a human baby. They did. This is Christmas. You need to hear this. Like this was a real human being. Now their explanation as to what the angels told them that this baby would be is incomprehensible, especially to them at that time. Basically, they proclaim this human body 
is going to be Christ the Lord. He's gonna be the Messiah. So, so the Jewish nation have been waiting for this king, this savior, this one who's gonna restore everything. And he's saying in that human being is the Messiah. And then they say um, divine, the Lord, the Lord God. And so this is what you need to know. Again, if, if you're not a Christian, glad you're here. But Christmas teaches... The Bible teaches that God really did enter a human realm. That's what we believe. I know that might sound a little weird, but that's what we believe. We believe that there, that there is a God who exists in three persons. That's why you actually are made in community. You love community. We love family, right? People ask us, what's the meaning of Christmas? You're like, for me, it's family, right? Because we just, we were made in the image of God. And so there's one God, he's three persons. And we believe that the second person became a man, that he did not change his identity as God, but rather he changed his role. To borrow from the uh, someone way smarter than me, the, the church father, Augustine, or Augustine, what do you guys, it doesn't matter. Uh, here's what he says. He added to himself, which he was not. He did not lose what he was. So he added to himself human flesh. He didn't lose being God. Now, Again, what I would encourage you to do, if you're like, I don't know if I believe this, what you need to do is you just need to do your own research. Like if you look at the manuscript evidence of what Jesus himself said about himself, it's staggering. So Jesus repeatedly, emphatically, he claimed to be God. You just gotta know that. Like um, he, he, at one point, he actually says to a guy after he heals him, all your sins are forgiven, okay? The religious people, they freak out. They're like, you can't forgive all his sins. Only God can do that. And they even say he makes himself like God. He says things like before Abraham was, like before Abraham, I am, right? People are like, what? If, okay, and, and then uh, he says things like, I am the bread of life. If you, if you eat me, if you have me in your life, I will, I will, you'll, never, you'll never be not satisfied. I'm the light of the world. If I came to you and said, I'm the bread of life, you should eat me, you guys would all be like, this guy's cuckoo, we need to leave, okay? But Jesus, he would say these things. I'm, I'm, uh, our church after Easter, we're gonna be studying spiritual warfare. So we believe that there's angels and that there's other bad angels, I call my kids, just in case your kids are here. Um, but it's interesting, whenever, if you read the manuscripts, uh, whenever Jesus encounters a demon, they cry out, listen to what they say, the Holy One of God. They say, the Son of God. Okay, so here's my point, here's my point. Because of this real baby, God and real person, it's possible that you and I can be sure that God will love us and that he will be with us forever. How? I want you to think about this with me. If Christmas is true and Jesus is going to accomplish something for humanity eternally, if he's going to accomplish something for humanity eternally in the place of us, be our savior, which we'll get to, is it not reasonable that he would need to represent us in full? So if you believe there's a God and you believe that, you know, all of us, we know we're not perfect and if this God were to come and he would have to eternally save us, it would be reasonable to believe he would need to represent humanity. So that's what Christmas says. That, that, and you gotta hear, I know some of you are really, really smart. You're smarter than me. And you've studied other religions. And so you can agree with me or we can chat after if you disagree. But every other religion says this. Here's a theory, here are concepts, here's how do you apply the teaching and then you'll get saved. Or here's a better way for spirituality and Christianity doesn't give you things to do. It doesn't add things so you get saved. 
Christianity says there were certain things that this body in a manger grew up to accomplish that if you have what he accomplished, you have everything God has and you have forgiveness with God. So let me explain one more thing here and then we'll go to the second point. This is so key. So if you get anything from this Christmas message, right? Every pastor's gotta say that at least once. If you get anything from what I'm saying, I want you to get this. Christmas is about having Jesus come in and fill you with his love and his life, his forgiveness, so that you can have friendship with God. That Christmas is about relationship with God. That's what it's about. Now I wanna show you this. So there's a Christmas passage. Everyone grab your handout. You see your handout? Okay, take it, flip it, go to the back. Okay, this is gonna be, this is where you're gonna participate in the Bible. So here's a Christmas passage, Galatians 4, 4. It reads this way. But when the fullness of time had come, all that means is in heaven at the right time in God's providence of when he said the Messiah would come, God sent forth his son. So this is Christmas. How did he do this? Born of a woman, born under the law. Now listen, to redeem those who were under the law. We'll get to that. But why? Why did he come? Why was this? Why would God send forth his son, born of a woman, so that we might receive Adoption as sons. Relationship. That God was born into a family to bring us into his family. Relationship. You and I, we know this. We're made for relationship. And here's the key. The key to life. Look. So if you want to know what, the, what is the purpose of life. The key to life is enjoying relationship with God. That is the key to life. Okay. That's it. Now you learn the key to life. And if someone asks you, what's the key to life? The key to life is enjoying relationship with God. That's what you were made for. And so verse six says, and because your sons, God has sent the spirit of a son into your hearts crying what? Daddy, Abba Father. So the heart of Christmas is that you would be adopted. That's what the heart of Christmas is, is that you would have God as your father. You'd be in relationship from what? From the freedom from the pain and weight of never feeling good enough. So we have this law, we never feel good enough. They're good rules sometimes, but we never feel good enough. And Jesus came to say, that's not how you get relationship. Okay, so let's talk about it, right? You're here, I'm here, let's do this. Okay, so that's number one. He's gonna be a real baby and this baby is gonna be your savior. So how am I gonna explain this? I'll tell you now. There's a story in the Bible uh, of the prodigal son. Many of you have probably heard it, but the story is of a father who has two sons. One of them comes to him and offends him and says, I want all your inheritance. So whatever you owe me, I want that money now. And the son just leaves. He leaves everything. He leaves the father. He just, he leaves the business. He leaves and he goes and just lives, you know, life lives it up. He lives for all the pleasures that life can offer. He just parties and he lives it up, lives it like crazy. Now, how many of you, your parents, your parents, and you would know um, if your son or daughter did this. So let's say you were saving for their college or whatever. You had all this money set aside and they said, give me everything I have. And you just said, okay. And you gave it to them and they just spent it all. It was all gone. How many of you would feel that's not okay? Like that would break your heart, right? Most of us would go, that's not okay. Here's what you need to hear in, in spiritual reality that is our life in this world. 
That is the essence of sin. Meaning the son wanted everything the father had to offer. He just didn't want the father himself. Let me say that again. The essence of sin is saying, I don't want life with him. It's basically you going, I will take all that God's given me. So he's given me breath if, if he's real. So you're going on the fact that you, you're, you're taking me as if Christianity is true. And if he's real, he would be who you were made for. And everything that you have, including your mind and all your resources and provision and family and opportunities, that would be from God as well. So you would take all that and you would use it for yourself. You'd live as, he, as if he's not real, he's not alive, and he's not good. That's the essence of sin. Sin begins at a heart that you want to be your own God and Savior and you don't need God. You can do that by being religious. You can do that by being a moral person. You don't need God. You're a good person. But it's, it's essentially going, I want all that the Father has, but I don't want the Father. That's the essence of sin. Now, here's my question to you. Have you done that? Have you done that? And if you have, you got to hear this tonight. That's a really big deal. That's a big deal. And that's, Christmas is so big because that's a big deal. So let me say it this way, sin, and you guys are smart, so this is really easy to get. Sin has a trajectory uh, in two ways, the way, like in two ways that a crime would. Okay, think about a crime. So a crime would have a trajectory where it would, first of off, uh, first off, it would, it would kind of like, it would eat at you. Like sin always bites back. It always doesn't work. Like your inner being breaks down a bit. You feel broken, there's guilt, there's all that kind of thing. So that's one trajectory. The second trajectory is if you were put before a judge, you'd be put away, right? That's, those are the two trajectories. And what Christmas is saying is that this boy has come to do both. He's come to intervene for both. So how does that work, James? Let me, let me explain this to you, okay? And I'm going to do it with Frozen 2. Yeah, I know. That's irrelevant. That's relevant. If you haven't seen Frozen, I'm really sorry. So, so basically he was gonna be the Elsa for Arendelle. So he was, he's gonna leave his kingdom followed by the good voice and he is going to die and rise, come back and he's gonna keep the, he's gonna keep the wave of judgment from coming on Arendelle. That's what Jesus did on the cross, just so you know. Let me read it to you, okay? So look at your sheet, Galatians 5, it says this. God sent forth his son born of a woman to redeem those who are under the law. There are only two ways to fulfill the law, okay? There's only two ways to fulfill the law. This is not hard to understand. I'll explain it. To redeem those who are under the law. There's obedience and there's paying a penalty, okay? So uh, right now, especially, you'll experience this. When you drive by a radar detecting police officer, hey, Shane, this you, bro. There you are. Um, when you drive by Shane, uh, you will fulfill the law. And here's how you'll do it. You either will fulfill the law by obeying the speed limit and thereby, you know, you'll fulfill the law and Shane will be like, you did it, okay? Or you will disobey and you'll receive a ticket and you'll pay the penalty also meeting the law's requirement. What this angel is saying, what Christianity teaches is that Jesus came to pay the ticket. He saw that we have passed that speed limit hundreds of thousands of times, that we have wronged, disowned, rejected God, hurt others, and he's come to pay the penalty for our sin. The Bible teaches that on the cross, the penalty for your life went on Jesus when you believe in him. But even more, Jesus actually came 
to drive perfectly for you. So he also, he only didn't pay a ticket. He actually drove by Shane. Per, he was, <laughs> woo, for you. He did what we could not do. He fulfilled the law, he obeyed it. But listen, he can only do that if he's the human being. And because he obeyed in our place, we have his righteousness come to us. That's the essence of the good news. Whatever Jesus has accomplished, we get by being with him. Does that make sense? That's what belief is. This is the good news, right? So let me explain this a little further. When people ask Jesus after he's healing and preaching, they ask him multiple times, what do I do? What do I do? Tell me what I can do to be saved. They will say things like, you, you look like you have the way to God. And here's what Jesus says, believe. That's what he says. What must I do to have eternal life? So if you're here tonight and you are just, you can tell the spirit of God has been just chasing you. Like, why am I here? I think he's real. And now you're at this point where you're asking the question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, believe in him. So the good, a good question would be, what does it mean to believe? I wanna tell you, believing in him means you trust in Jesus to forgive you for your sin and to give you new life. Let me say that again. What does it mean to believe? It means to trust in Jesus, to forgive us of our sin and to give us new life. Now, here's what I know. There are many of us right now, you know, we're a little distracted, but that's okay. And you hear this, and, and it's, it, you, feel, if you feel like it's, it's good, you, you have a little bit of skeptic, but you're close, but something is blocking you from believing in Jesus. Um, and it has to do, I believe, with a dark place in your life where a lot of doubt crept in. I was driving and I felt like the Lord gave me this, so I know there's some of you here. Um, and, and so let me explain it this way. Guilt, we know what guilt is, so guilt, is the painful feeling we get when we make a mistake, right? You've been there, we all know what that is. Um, when I say dark, I'm not speaking about that. I, when I say dark, I, I'm, I'm saying that something was done against you or um, you were neglected, you felt abandoned, hurt, even, even in living kind of like the prodigal son, you, you felt like a mess, um, you felt like you were the mess. That's called shame. So let me explain shame. Shame, so if guilt is the painful feeling we get when we make a mistake, shame is the painful feeling we get when we think we are the mistake. We think we are the mistake. So somewhere along the lines, we became defiled in our minds. We believed the lies, what someone said about us or what was done to us or what we participated in. And we think we are the mistake. We would never say that out loud, but deep down we know that. So let me tell you how the this, this story of the prodigal son ends. So he squanders everything, like he just lives it up and he's in such shame. He's, he's eating with the pigs. He feels like he is worthless. He feels these things and he thinks to himself, the father is good enough that maybe he will make me a slave. Maybe he'll let me just serve in the fields. I, I feel so horrible. So he's, he's coming home and he's probably rehearsing the speech in his mind. And he's like, okay, what do I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I'm so sorry. You, 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 but he feels shame. And do you know how the story ends? The story ends where the, as soon as the son is coming over the hill, Jesus talks about it. He says, the father has been looking the whole time. 
And the father, as soon as he sees the son coming back, he runs, the father runs and he runs to hug him and he runs to like give him a kiss and he puts a robe on him and he throws a party, okay? So here's what Jesus is saying. There's no amount of doing that can fix the problem of being, right? Any psychologist will tell you that. There's no, 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 what, no success or amount of money can fix this problem of this, you know, this inner being. The Bible teaches what we need is someone who's come to not only clean us up, but to make us new, to restore the value of our worth, to, to clothe us, to forgive us, to embrace us, to hug us, okay? Look at your sheet. So everyone look, grab your note again. Look at this verse. This is gonna be your new favorite Bible memory, okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's Christianity. It's not, you kind of, you're morally a little cleaned up or you, you're, you know, you pick yourself up by your, I'm gonna try this year. This is gonna be a good year. That's not, you're not a Christian. If you just think you're gonna morally make God like you. To be a Christian is to have Jesus come into your life, forgive you of your sin and give you new life. That's called new creation. It's really exciting. And look at what it says. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So here's what I wanna say. If that's you and you think you're the mistake, you've become defiled in your mind, you've become broken, I believe Jesus has come to tell you today you're not the mistake. You're not a mistake. You are not those lies said over you, that trauma done to you. Your value, your value is in the one who's wanting to rescue and restore you, who made you, he knows you. He knows what you're worth. He knows what you worth that he sent his only son. Okay, look at this. Look at the next verse, Titus 3. It's right there. We're almost done. You're like, this is really good. It is. It's good news. That's what the angel said. Okay, look at Titus 3. But when the, what's our word? You guys can yell it out. Let's try this again. Okay. But when the goodness and loving, you guys say it, kindness of God our Savior appeared. That's Christmas. He appeared. Okay, if you're, if you're ever wondering, I wonder what Jesus is like or what God is like, this is what the Bible says. He is good and he has loving kindness. He appeared, he saved us. Why did he save us? Everyone look at the sheet. You guys look. Why did Jesus come? If this is true, if Christianity really happened and God really came, why did he come? Did he come because he was like, man, Mark, you're awesome. I'm like, Mark is killing it right now. Let's, Holy Spirit, let's die for Mark. He's just nailing it. No. You know what? Did you guys see Jana's life? She's so hospitable. We should die for her. That's not how this works. Look, why did he die? He died to save us, not because of our works. Why? But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration, it's like a new heart and renewal of the Holy Spirit. God really comes into you. He may pour it out on us richly through Jesus. So here's why his mercy came to you. It came to you because he loves you and you're, you, you're worth it to him. And that's really real. Right now, right now, some of you are like, that can't be me, but it's actually, it is you. This, this leads us in, into what I would say as I think one of the most important points of Christmas. He came to be your deepest joy. Okay, most of us today, we live in this cultural message that says, you know, the way to be happy and stay happy is essentially find, 
find and then be the true you, the true authentic self. Like what you need to do is you need to love who you are with the greatest passion you can. And once you take care of you and know you and then discover your true authentic identity, the freer and happier will be. Jesus, just so you know, he says the exact opposite. He really does. He says the way to have life is to lose it for me. And if you find it in me, if you make me the center, you'll find true happiness. He says the worst thing you could do for your happiness is try to find your meaning in something other than God. That's the worst thing you can do. And here's what I think, and you can tell me I'm wrong after. I believe the reason so many of us want to preserve our lives and we breathe the air of that culture is because deep down we feel if we don't love ourselves, no one else will. That if we don't love ourselves with great passion, there's a fear that there will be no one left to love us long enough. And so naturally it just seems right to love ourselves supremely. We love, we want to just, we, it feels good. We think this is, we're the most worthy person to be loved. And here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that you exist for a greater love than you. He said that, that there's, there's no greater love than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So Jesus, this is the message of Christianity. He came at Christmas and he came to break us from the shackles of self-love to unite us to a love that's larger than ours. The love of God is infinitely more superior to anything that you and I could give yourself. It is, it's just, it's bigger. That's why heaven's freaking out that morning. They're like, oh my goodness, this is crazy love. They're like, he really is, that being is in that baby. They're just singing, he's here. This is your deepest joy. Everything else is gonna be too small to fill the place made for God. Okay, so. I'll close here. Okay, so band, you can come up. I'm gonna close on this. Let me, let me just say that if you only see Christmas as a, as a, as a uh, season for nostalgia, which is fine. I, you know, I think it's good. It's good. Um, my eight-year-old son, he remembers one Christmas where he got Monopoly for Christmas. And the other day he just walked, he walked down from bed, woke up and just started crying around the Christmas tree. And we're like, are you okay, buddy? Why are you crying? He's like, what if I don't get Monopoly? We're like, what? We love nostalgia. He loves nostalgia. That's not wrong. Or memories. Family's amazing. They're gifts from God. But here's what I want to say. You'll be disappointed if you only want warm fuzzies and presents and good eats. But here's why you'll be disappointed. That satisfaction won't last. Christmas is about having a real person. It's about having Jesus come in in and fill you with himself, his love and his friendship. I'm, I'm serious. How many of you, okay, this is true for you. This is gonna be, be a little awkward. We'll be a little awkward, whatever. Um, how many of you, you're a Christian? Okay, raise your hand if you're a Christian. Jesus, okay, you can put him down quick so all the other ones are like, uh, I'm, I'm like half C. Um, uh, that really happened. Those of you put up your hand, he really came into your life he really did forgive your sin. You can know you'll be loved eternally and, and you have new life. That's, that's, it's amazing. And he wants to forgive you and he wants to be with you forever. And I think some of us here don't believe he wants to really be with me forever. He really does. He, he wants to give you new life. So let me say this. If you want to receive Jesus tonight, 
tonight in your, in your room, on the way home, or in this service as we sing, if you wanna receive Jesus tonight, here's what you need to do. You need to, in your heart, say to Jesus, I believe in you. I confess that I've neglected you and I want you to come into my life and give me new life. That's all you need to say. Jesus, I confess that I've sinned against you. I've neglected you. I believe in you and I want you to come in and give me new life. And by the power of God, he will, he will. Last thing, I promise. Uh, so I was driving in the car and I sensed that there was shame. And I, the other thing I just was praying about is I really believe that um, there, there's, you, Jesus has been a part of your life for a while. And the reason you don't wanna believe in him is because you're scared of losing friends. You're scared of the impact it'll make uh, on your work friends, on your social friends, that if you really gave all of your life to Jesus, that you would lose relationship. All I wanna say to that is if that is you, just when we sing these next two songs, would you just tell him that? Maybe you've never told God that. I want you to tell him that, and I want you to ask him if that's you, that, that he would help you believe. Don't waste a life with Jesus over fear. Do not be afraid. And if you have bitterness towards anyone in your family at all, don't go into tomorrow without asking them to forgive you. If you can tell there's something wrong with this, this relationship, I want you to have the courage to go to them and say that and say, I wanna, I wanna ask you to forgive me. I think I've hurt you and listen to them and then have forgiveness. Because here's the thing, you will not receive the love and forgiveness of Jesus if you have this bitterness and anger and unforgiveness towards others, you won't. Okay, let's stand. Let's stand and we're gonna sing. Actually the last thing. So here's the last, last thing. Uh, you have a choice. I just wanna point that out. You have a choice. It's interesting, so uh, Jesus, he's at uh, a, the pool of Bethesda. It's like a pool where a lot of sick people would come and they believed if the waters were stirred, they could get healed. So we're talking hundreds and hundreds of people who are sick, leprosy. And Jesus that day, he only heals one person. It's really interesting. He only heals one man at the pool of Bethesda. And he tells us later in the, in the gospel of John, which you'll get, um, I only do what I see the father doing. So the father that day was only healing that one person. So Jesus came in and he did ministry and that's powerful. And that's how we're to do ministry. But there's one thing he says to the man. He says this, he says, do you want to be healed? That's a really big question. There are some people who actually don't want to be healed. They rather have the identity they get from being in shame, feeling depressed. It's almost consumed them for so long. That's who they are. Jesus tonight wants to ask you, do you want to be healed? The shepherds had a choice. They could have been like, you know what? We've, we're probably eating too much of this grass and we, there's no such thing as angels. Let's just stay here. They didn't. They saw the angels. It really happened. And they went with haste. And you just have a choice. You have a choice. And my encouragement to you, and the Bible would implore you, be reconciled to God. He really did come. You can actually have a relationship with God. You can be forgiven if you receive Jesus as Lord. Amen? Amen.